Often the first word a child will learn to use with passion is no. But another word that will often closely follow is mine. And it's not like we just go through that selfish stage as a toddler and then mature our way out of it. From an early age and into adulthood, we are not good at that thing called sharing. As a child, of course, it's that favorite toy, which is often the toy that the other child has. Teenagers argue over clothes or video games or other things like that. Adults accumulate possessions and money to which they become very attached. And of course, things really start to get dark when we start thinking that people, our friends, our romantic interests belong to us. Drawing boundaries around what we have and taking steps to prevent others from getting that stuff is a lifelong undertaking that most of us pursue with a lot of vigor. And of course, that takes on significant societal implications. Pick a random issue, like say a school levy. Okay, maybe that's not so random. But nothing like an appeal to people to pay more taxes to benefit someone who isn't part of their particular tribe. Mine starts to raise its head again. That that lifelong attitude of mine impacts creation also. Humans have warred over control of water, land, forests, resources, oil. The weakest nations and the poorest people suffer the most when these kinds of conflicts happen. And it isn't just war. You know, the Flint, Michigan water woes are a stunning example of what happens to the poor. They ran into, well, we've got ours, too bad about yours. The story of Flint is a complicated one, of course. It involves mistakes, financial malfeasance, slow government action, bungled and unethical legal proceedings. But if the people of Flint had the income levels of, say, Orange County, California, these problems would have been addressed much sooner, or more likely would have never ever happened. That ethic of mine that seems so ingrained in the way we approach life does not reflect the biblical mandate of the peaceable kingdom, where there's plenty for everyone and war and conflicts have ceased. Given where we live, we should really understand the world can't be governed by mine The recent Pioneers books helps us understand that the settlers came here because of abundant resources. But that issue of mine arose very quickly as the settlers and the Native Americans came into conflict over how and for whom the land was to be used. And again, the least powerful group lost the argument. Money and the power it buys often decide who gets the cleanest water, the best land, the nicest climate, the most most breathable air, 
or at least it did for most of our human history, but we're fast approaching a day where our unwillingness to share and our greedy consumption of what is available is going to backfire upon us all. Climate change is real. Species extinction is happening. And we're going to discover all sorts of ways that we are dependent upon those factors, upon the environment. And we can either learn to share in appropriate and responsible ways, or we can commit ourselves even more seriously to this ethic of mine and see our world spiral into unimaginably horrendous cycles of fighting for what we all need. And likely, eventually, into the end of human life. The biblical witness has wisdom for us. Luke 16 has a very curious parable about an unscrupulous steward. The highlights, in case you missed it when I read it. An owner finds out his manager has been squandering his property and decides to sack him. But the manager, who's gotten wind of this, he's been called in on the carpet, says, hmm, i got to make a plan for landing on my feet here. So he calls in all the ones who owe the boss and tells each person to alter their accounts so that they will owe significantly less. And what did the boss do? He commended the manager for acting shrewdly. And in what appears to be an interpretive statement about the parable, Jesus says, the children of this age are shrewder in dealing with their own generation." than are the children of light. Jesus tells a parable about dishonest behavior being praised and then proceeds to poke at, to insult those we would consider the good guys, the children of light. Oh, that's us. For failing to be shrewd in how we deal with the world. So what was Jesus trying to tell with this story? As you can imagine, collectively, the commentators do some head-scratching over this. And I look back at some of the most ancient words on this parable, the church fathers. These comments were made from the 2nd century through about 750 A.D. And here's a summary of sort of their thoughts, and it does agree with what a lot of modern commentators finally settle on. Our squandering manager is a sinner who's failed at pleasing God. And he realizes, i got to change. So he decides to become generous with his master's resources. See, resources given to us by God are not ours to own and to squander, but ours to give away. And the, man, the master is pleased that the manager is finally doing something worthwhile with the assets, pointing out that living this way is wise because it accumulates eternal treasures. And Jesus, with his dig at the children of light, is pointing out to us there are lessons for us to learn in the church about dealing wisely and generously in the world. One of the amazing power of parables is they always find new life in new contexts and new generations. We have 
in so many ways, squandered creation's resources carelessly. For much of our history, that didn't seem to matter. There was always plenty. And now we see judgment coming, and our position is threatened. It's time to become shrewder in our practices. It's time to lay aside this ethic of mine. It's time to start looking at how others are impacted. It's time to practice generosity and sharing. It's time we understood that all we have is meant for sharing. We've all heard, of course, the phrase, reduce, reuse, recycle. Those are important. Almost all of us probably could find ways to do more of that. That's shrewd. That's one of the ways to move away from squandering. But steps beyond that are often going to involve us altering our lifestyles. One example is air travel, which we've come to understand produces a significant amount of carbon. Rick Steves, one of the people responsible for significant increase in tourism to Europe, takes this seriously from his website. Each year, Rick Steves Europe donates $1 million to climate-smart agriculture, conservation, agroforestry projects in developing countries. We're paying a self-imposed carbon tax to account for the carbon footprint of the 30,000 people who fly to and from a Rick Steves Europe tour each year. We're not changing our tour prices to cover it. We're taking it out of our profits. Those who do travel extensively can work to make alterations in their lives, and they can also act as influencers on groups like the airlines, encouraging them to seek the most fuel-efficient solutions and the best practices. Moving from not squandering to sharing generously with others who've been denied access is a challenge. Sometimes it's hard to do. But there's a wonderful example of something that our church did, and I've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating. Our garden is not just a gift for our church. It is a gift to our neighborhood, and people have noticed that. And our neighborhood features a wide variety of income levels. The garden can be enjoyed by everyone who comes by. It's an open and inviting design that encourages people to step in and be refreshed. It's a sharing of God's beautiful creation. It's one small example of the way communities need to treat public spaces and public resources. Parks and similar recreation spaces need to be located near people who don't have the resources to drive to those places. Laws need to ensure that the poorest neighborhoods are protected from pollution and blight. Community standards need to be set and enforced for rental properties, which the, where the poorest often live. Of course, similar challenges face us on the national level. The Flint example is just one situation that points out how far we have to go as a country to move from thinking just about ourselves and protecting mine to understanding that if those with less are suffering, we have a responsibility to help in addressing that issue. How can we quit squandering resources on ourselves and use them to share the benefits of creation with others? Well, two easy suggestions came to mind for me. And of course, if you use your own imagination, you're going to think of a lot more. 
I thought of this one because we just sold mums at the church. If we were the only one doing this, I couldn't use this example, but there are lots of folks selling mums either as a fundraiser, and of course there are lots of mums available right now in all the stores. So look for someone around you who could be blessed by one of those or a couple of those. Maybe it's a neighbor who can't physically put out flowers anymore. Maybe it's someone who you know would love those, but their finances are a bit tight right now. So buy some mums and give them away. Or you could do something really outlandish. You could buy a couple of mums and give them away to a complete stranger at the store, in the parking lot, somewhere else. Maybe it would be that kind of stranger you might be tempted to look at and judge. Someone so different from you, you couldn't imagine being their friends in a thousand years. But do it. Practice a little bit of mum evangelism. Share some of God's beautiful creation with a stranger. Maybe, maybe you'll be giving flowers to an angel. Or maybe more importantly, you'll be giving flowers to a person who is just about at the end of their rope. And your gift gives them a little bit of hope. The second example Look again for someone very different than you, but someone who you have some sort of connection with in your life. Maybe you reach out to someone who's alone most of the time, or someone who wouldn't get the opportunity to do what I'm about to suggest. Invite them on the boat next week. Invite them to come and enjoy God's beautiful creation. Bring them as a guest. Bring some extra food. Better yet, invite a whole family who wouldn't get the opportunity to do this and bring lots of extra food. Just two small suggestions, but it should never stop there. Simple steps can become habits that help us put a stop to this ethic of mine. Simple steps repeated free us to give away the resources God has given us. Simple steps, repeated, help us see the suffering of others as something that we can work to change. Simple steps teach us that God's beautiful world is meant to be shared. Amen.